0: And you're listening to For the Oh. Oh
1: Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design.
0: Joining Roger from Wow Dogs and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft.
2: Hello and welcome to For The Lord. this is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 7th of June. Today was the WWDC, which is fairly interesting, although not as... Didn't have as many surprises as I would have hoped for, but we'll get on to that in a minute. Same as usual, we've got... I'm going to go with Vince first, seeing as he's been a constant. It's been nice that he hasn't disappointed me by not being present for any of the shows. Vince, nice to have you back. Vince, of course, from MassiveNerd.net. And we've got Joe from, you know... Well, the magnetic kiss and wow and way of the totem and when he decides to show up. So welcome, <laughs> boys. Nice to have you back.
3: I'm happy to be back, although I don't know if I should be after that wonderful warm welcome.
2: You were expecting <laughs> I better? guess it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today was the WWDC. Um, I don't know if you guys got a chance to actually listen to any of the live feeds or anything or if you just read up on it.
3: I uh, just read up on it yeah i
2: followed everybody's chat yeah not really gaming news however the uh, big announcement of course was the iphone 4 and that is actually a mobile gaming platform now and especially looking at the changes that they've got planned for this sucker with the increased resolution it is going to look sick as hell when you are playing games on this thing now
3: Yeah, I'm uh, really happy about the increase in the resolution on it. Um, I like playing games on my iPhone. I like I have a few that I just absolutely love. I have a couple uh, uh, Gladius clones, things like that. Uh, The Simpsons arcade games on there. I really do enjoy it. Um, I would like I can't wait to get my hands on it for the better resolution. I think it's going to be awesome.
2: Well, that's the thing, too. It is a good, it's a very good gaming platform. I actually wound up using that more than I did my DS and PSP. I mean, as soon as I got um, even just the iPod, I was using that more as a gaming platform because there are a ton of really good games. Um, They're now introducing uh, the gyroscope as well, which is going to, when working with the accelerometer, really make a difference in terms of any game that uses movement which is going to be good for whether it's a racing game or things like that. They're going to have a lot more um, cool gimmicks to play with kind of thing. And then again, there's going to be a better processor in it, the A4 chip. Um, We're not looking at any more RAM, or sorry, memory in it. Um, We're still looking at the 16 and 32. There's not a... Smaller than that, is it? I think it's only 16 and 32 bit or gigabyte versions that are, yeah,
3: 16 or 32. The eight yeah. is going to still 3G,
2: yeah. So it's uh, but again, the, the, the difference in pixels where they're looking at doing 326 pixels bridge is freaking insane like it looks unbelievable gorgeous and you're looking at uh, 960 by 640 pixels so it's four times the resolution on the same size screen so your games are going to look unbelievable now
3: yeah and i I think that's going to be killer i think that's going to be one of the main reasons why i'm going to be upgrading
2: yeah well between that between the ability to record in hd i mean that's insane right there. <laughs> the The camera has been upgraded as well. And then you're going to be able to record in HD. Plus, you're going to be able to use iMovie, a new app, right on the freaking phone. Um, I don't want to go into too much of the tech behind the phone because, again, a lot of it doesn't pertain to anything having to do with gaming. But in terms of, again, the, the resolution and things like that, it actually does have to do with gaming but that the the hd video recording for me that's that's a huge selling point right there because i use um and say i only have the 3g i don't have the 3ds i use it as my main camera i i don't carry around a camera anymore same and, here. exactly and then i had to get an app that allowed me to record video because by default it doesn't and now i use that a lot for when i'm recording video not other things and having again four kids you don't carry around a big freaking recording anything that's going to record now granted now there are a lot smaller video recorders that you can record in hd but when you're looking at something like this where again you can condense your your phone your camera your video recorder as well as your gaming system all in one yeah it's it's going to be very hard to just to 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 not find a way (laughs) you know uh,
3: Curiosity, and I don't know if I missed this or not, did they give the release date for when it's going to be available?
2: It's going to be available uh, June for you guys and July for us. So we're looking at June 24th with the pre-order starting on the 15th of June for you guys.
3: See, the reason I ask is because this is going to make things very interesting come BlizzCon because they have a very strict no-video no, uh, no video policy.
2: Well, yeah, and it is going to be something we're in. It's not just going to be crappy video anymore. When they're talking about the updates that they're putting into the camera to be able to compensate for the low lighting and everything... This is actually going to be recording very solid, very good looking videos. So, yeah, when you're looking at something like that, um, wherein you have a a conference where it's you just hold your phone out and you can be recording, yeah, it's going to you're going to see a lot more leaked videos.
3: Oh, yeah. Especially ones that they don't want happening. <laughs> yeah. All
2: right. So let's move away from there, though. Um, one of the biggest balls to drop this week, I think, was the announcement of Lord of the Rings going free to play.
3: Oh, yes. I know a lot of people that are
2: very upset about that. I I got to tell you, I I'm, I'm torn because I. I had the intention of putting my account on hold because we simply have not been playing enough of it. Uh, My son loved it for a while, and he actually played his little burglar for quite a while. And I played some, but I was having a hard time going into it. So the idea that I'm not going to have to keep playing and we can still kind of bounce into it. All right. So that's not. I, I don't mind that. However, if I was quite serious into it, yeah, I would be bothered, especially after I saw the um, the email in terms of the player tiers that they're introducing for the free player, premium player, and VIP, which VIP just means you're, you're paying, same as you always did. Yep. So I but don't think it's being handled that well from what I've seen so far, but... With the recent acquisition of Turbine, it's not really surprising is what I'm getting at.
3: See, and the 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 thing that um, kind of irritates people is a lot of the stuff that you were paying for being taken away, like uh, you're talking about uh taking away character slots for people that have like lifetime memberships that had the extra character slots and now have cost points have to be repurchased even if you have a vip uh subscription so people are really pissed about that um you know there is just the mentality switch from people that made that lifetime commitment that's what the people that are really getting the outcry for um there's also going to be a very uh limited uh availability on crafting uh when it becomes time for like um the free players and the premium players so i don't know it's 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 an interesting shift like i'll keep playing um i will gladly keep hopping in and playing on the free account because i don't really have a lot of time to devote to it so that's okay um but yeah i know a lot of people like i have a couple co-workers that are lifetime subscribers to the game that walked over to my desk and were just like dude this sucks they're just very upset
2: oh and and it does too and again if it was a game that i was playing quite a bit i would be fairly upset because even looking at this vip where you're going to continue to pay but it appears that you're going to have less than what you had before when you were paying correct me if i'm wrong
3: that's what they say um i don't really know cuz i wasn't as big into the end game uh my good friend Woe was in the uh the chat here today he can i'm sure he can tell us or anybody else that's played it what how does it compare between it anybody anybody got an idea because okay. all me are just people yeah <laughs> while they're putting
2: their thoughts together yeah no you are losing quite a bit you're also losing um like the amount of uh, player slots that you can have you're going like if you're using the free one you get one (laughs) one per server wow and then you got to purchase more and then for the premium you're getting three uh now i don't know what the difference is going to be between the free and the premium how are you that i didn't see i just got the email saying hey congrats you're a vip and i'm going vip my ass <laughs> i'm like no no i checked i'm not <laughs> i i'm not gaining anything here don't try to sell it as as such but yeah the uh, do you know what you uh, what's required for being a premium player
3: uh, premium players are you, you pre-purchase a certain amount per month, um, like you get like a reduced cost on your points, but you get like I think it's like 500 points or a month or 250 points a month, whatever it is. Um, so it's not quite as big as the VIP. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not terribly impressed. Yeah. Um, well,
0: for me looking at this, um, like I recently got into Dungeons and Dragons Online when it went free, and for me looking at that game. It seemed like even as a free player, so much of the game was open to me. There really wasn't that much limited. Of course, you know, there was extra for, you know, some of the advanced classes or some of the advanced quest lines. But just for me, looking at how they're handling Lord of the Rings online and for someone with no experience with the game, it seems like they're really limiting what you can get as a free or even as a premium player compared to Dungeons & Dragons.
2: And I'm looking at this, like how much gold you can have as well, the gold limit. For a free player is two gold.
3: Yeah, that's that's like nothing.
2: Yeah, I know. And even for the premium, it's five gold. And I'm thinking, are you serious? Like, I, I again, I can understand what they're doing. I can understand. Again, this is n- not surprising at this point at all. As soon as we saw that buyout and we saw, um, um, Doa go on this route. I, I could easily see them or sorry DDO uh, I can easily see them doing the same thing as well with this so but I would think that they would change it so that it was more uh, in line say with a perfect world game wherein you're you're buying certain items to upgrade and that's where they're making their money not nickel and diming how much gold you can have and things like that
3: well and and OMG Sam made a, a good point it's it's going into more of a a beta phase um so you know things will change um it will you know things will may may shift things may change um just like Ddo did Ddo did find a sweet spot for its player base um, but like Woe said in the chat one of the one of the things that the community of Lotro really was all about was the maturity level of the players. Um, let's be honest most people that have read through, Uh, the books, who know the story, who actually understand the game and understand why they're playing it and the storyline about it, uh, they tend to be a little more mature. They tend to be older and a little more intelligent because that's not something like a random four-year-old reads. Um, But like with making a game free to play... You, you do increase the player base, but you also increase the the ability or, or for um, less serious players, less mature players to enter into the game. Um, now, I'm not saying that's always the case. I mean, look at WoW, you have a plethora of, of children and uh, rather special needs people that do play those games. Um, and even though they are paid a, a monthly subscription based game, but opening up a game free to play, especially one that's been kind of its own little niche for so long you're going to invite a lot of people in there that wouldn't have really come into that world, into that community beforehand because I would have had to pay extra money. So you're going to get a lot of those asshats from WoW, you know, the griefers, the, the people that want to sit and trade chat and spam, look at my balls or whatever they're going to say, they're going to start going over into these free games. And I have run across those people in DDO, so I know they do exist, and I know they do pick up those free games and play them. So that's the only thing I personally would be worried about. Well,
0: and it- while it's still kind of while it's still kind of early i mean they've already done this before with ddo now yeah and when ddo first went for you to play it was more restrictive and okay they've opened it up but they like i said they've done this before this this doesn't seem like a good starting point for their second try like ddo got my money because i wanted to give it to them not because i had to give it to them and that's like i said right now that's where lord of the rings is looking for me that's exactly what I meant.
2: That's exactly it. So, okay, let's move away from that. And let's touch then on some DDO. Because you're getting a cool freaking guild airship. Who the hell wants a guild house when you can have an airship?
1: No
0: kidding. Look at this thing. (laughs) (laughs) So go ahead, Vince. You're the one that's playing right now. Well, uh, it's just awesome. I mean, there's really nothing more to say about it. Um, It's like they looked almost like Blizzard was doing with their uh, upcoming... Guild leveling system allowing you to earn, you know, experience for your guild, and they said, Psh, we can do that, and they just took it to the next level and just threw it out there. You get. As a guild, you can purchase an airship that is your own guild space that you can use your guild points that you earn to decorate it. You can put auctioneers in there, inventory space. Uh, They said you can get trophies from monsters you've killed and display them in your airship. It becomes your guild's own personal space, which is just amazing. And see,
3: and I love stuff like this. I love like guild spaces. In in City of Heroes, I love my super group super base because every time somebody earns a trophy, it gets, you know, put somewhere in there on display where they can, you know, specify where it is. And every now and then i like popping in and seeing what the active players that are still playing the game have earned and decorated the super base with. And it gives a nice little space that you can log out and log back into the game that's not dollar on, you
2: know. (laughs) And that's big right there too. And what that also does is, of course, helps reduce the lag in those major cities as well if everybody's getting together instead on their ship then there's less interaction with the asshats that you see in the major cities there's less chat lag there's also less lag period for your playing enjoyment when you do have to go in but for those who are watching live i'm showing off some of the ships from the screenshots that we got and as you can see man these suckers are sick as hell this is just too goddamn cool i love (laughs) spell jammers art Anything else?
1: So that's enough. All right, cool. So let's
2: move on to the next one because trailers do not come much cooler than this. The Deusa X Human Revolution trailer was released this week. And if you have not seen it, I'll put a link in the show notes. You got to see this goddamn trailer. It looks so cool.
3: Deus Ex. That's all I have to say about that. Oh, my God
2: going actually set it running so if we lag a little bit it's because it's running for the people to to look at in the audience go ahead
0: vince yeah this, this is just another one that now, anybody can make a good trailer but it's another thing entirely to make a good trailer about a game that somebody people really care about so like i know myself joe i'm going to assume you roger because you seem like a relatively competent guy you know we both loved the first two games The first one a little more than the second, but okay. Yeah, and it's just such an amazing franchise, and to see it taken to this level with this amount of showmanship, it's just truly amazing. I'm I'm a sucker for a great trailer,
2: and this one too is—it's again, it's just freaking cool. It's well done. You can see a lot of um, the infamous and uh, and whatnot. That same kind of feel where you are again dropped in with extra abilities that you didn't have before kind of thing um, because of enhancements that were done to you but this is like well done with that I'm more into these mechanical enhancement kind of versus the someone gave you a needle and all of a sudden you can shoot lightning out of your hands kind of thing um, it's just again, <laughs> it's just fantastic I love the trailer and I it's one of the games now that definitely day one I'll have it and I'll be playing it
3: the interesting thing for me about this, um, I was a huge fan of the Deus Ex uh, game series. When they went on sale on Steam, I jumped at the chance to rebuy them simply because I had lost my discs for them so long ago um, that I couldn't find them and I wanted to play them again. And Steam offered me the opportunity to do that all over again. Um, This is actually a prequel to those games from what I'm reading. Um, which I think is kind of awesome, too, because uh, one of the, the the biggest thing about any beloved game series is a lot of times they throw you into uh, the middle of a world. Uh, let's say, I mean, look at Bioshock, look at... Um, You know, System Shock from back in the day, uh, Deus Ex. They put you in a world that's already in motion. Seeing how that world got started, where the conflict started, where there's strife and conspiracy, where it all came from, uh, and seeing how certain things happened is great, especially when you've been a fan of a series for so long. Just seeing the origin of, like, uh, the worlds, the cities, things like that can mean a lot to a player. And doing something like this now... Is perfect because you the, the technology is caught up to the game to, to to make Deus Ex um, ridiculous. I mean, honestly, just look at the look at the 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 trailer. Tell me that's not ridiculous. That borderline is redonculous of how awesome it is. Um, it, it's the visual effects. The the gameplay is hopefully going to keep up with that. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited about it. I'm really excited to see how the world that I loved in those first two games gets recreated.
2: Well, there's no reason to believe that the gameplay won't be every bit as well done as the trailer. It's not like a like other companies that say make you know awesome trailers, but the gameplay isn't the same. Um, and because again, it's standalone, you're going to have they can make it as graphically intense as they want to within reason. So I have a feeling that this is just going to look unbelievable. So yeah, <laughs> very much looking forward to it. Uh, let's move on from there, though, to some Final Fantasy news. And Vince, I'm going to let you tackle this.
0: All right. So as we all know, Final Fantasy 14 has been in its alpha test for a couple months now. And we're starting to get some reports and some interviews about how they're starting to move from the first phase of the alpha onto the second phase of the alpha. And hopefully, well, not hopefully, if they can't move on to beta, then we're in trouble. But on to beta after that. So uh, Zam had a good article uh translating, because of course it would be way too much trouble for square to actually give us this information in English, <laughs> translating an interview with uh, some of the directors uh, talking about the issues they've had with uh, going into the alpha. And uh, I briefly mentioned this last week at the end of the show, but one of the, one of the things that stands out to me is that they were surprised at how many alpha testers showed up. Didn't, didn't, Aren't they the ones that sent out the invites? Didn't they kind of know how many people were going to be coming? So to say they were surprised, it's it's a little disheartening because I'm really, really looking forward to this game. And I have a good feeling that the actual gameplay is going to be spot on. I'm just really worried about the management side of things, which was a huge issue of mine with Eleven. The gameplay, yeah, okay, it was a bit iffy, but the management of the game was just... Pretty sad. So now they're talking about moving on to phase two of the alpha, where they're starting to invite more players, and they want to uh, build that up to a stable base of 50,000 players before they move on to the beta tests. Now, we know a few people out there, Kirby, who theoretically have gotten their (laughs) alpha invites, and some of us, like myself, are left crying at home. So we're going to see how this moves on. Right at home for worse.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Amelia, yeah, razor blade, Vince. It'll be fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, but they're talking about some of the changes they're making to the game. They're uh, redoing some of the lighting and some of the textures. They're really, at least at this point, listening to the player feedback. Uh, how combat is moving too slow, and they're saying that they're actually going to redesign the combat system, which is a bit of an overhaul Scary. at this point. But yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll see. And uh, what some of the stuff that they're talking about is. Uh, The guild leave system, which is their questing system. Now, you could go to a guild and pick up what they call a guild leave, a quest, and go perform it. Now, if you fail the guild leave, you're apparently ass out. So, they're starting to put in some consolation prizes so that if you are a terrible player and still fail at everything, you'll at least have enough money to buy a frickin' chocobo to get yourself home, apparently. So, uh, we had this other article with uh, editors talking about their time in the game. And I really liked a couple of these that were talking about the way the guild leave system is working and how the party combat works. And you can actually select your difficulty for the guild leave, which is something we're seeing a lot more of in games these days with the rewards then being similar. So they're talking about how the guild leaves are available based upon your level rankings with your weapons. And the more difficult ones will have more... uh, Let's try that again. (laughs) You you got your edit button ready, right, Roger? Yeah, I'm good to go. (laughs) uh, I need a reason to use the Jeopardy music. I haven't used it in so long.
2: (laughs) There it is.
0: So the more difficult gold leaves will have more difficult enemies, will require more players, and will then offer better rewards. And there's talking about how some of these are really hard, even at their level, if you have the wrong group composition. They talked about one that had uh, one DPS and two healers, but the DPS was really uh, like a paper cannon, and they were just getting wiped out. So they had to develop different strategies to come about it, which is one of the things that's really interesting to me about this game is the strategic combat system with your placement and your timing and all this interesting stuff. So we're keeping our eye on this game because, as I've said the game concept itself looks phenomenal. It's a game I really want to play. It's just very, very troubling when you see the management and the server and the technological side of things that are really making it a bit iffy, especially with so many other great games on the horizon.
3: See, this this news kind of worries me a little bit. Like it, Some people are getting excited about it, but I'm starting to see the overcomplicated system that was almost born in Final Fantasy XI you know what i mean like it was i understand like a complicated strategy system is always it can be very good or it can be very bad um especially when we're talking about we're talking with the guys from Terra, and we're talking about how uh tanks will be able to actually physically block things and add a certain element of strategic gameplay to the game without relying solely on that type of gameplay whereas final fantasy I don't want to have to run a very specific group composition in order to get through a damn place. That reminds me way too much of some vanilla content in WoW and even some BC content where you had to have a certain type of healer to get through Magister's Terrace because, you know, a shaman couldn't handle it. Things like that. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a little worried. A little worried about that. I'm a little worried about key compositions.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're talk- what they're talking about with some of the alpha. How there's so many less players now than there were at the beginning of alpha, which shouldn't happen. The people in alpha are the people that really, really wanted to play the game. So if they're jumping ship, it's it's a little disheartening. But hey, apparently the servers are much more stable now that half the people aren't playing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing, too, is like you're saying,
2: at this point here to be making such sweeping changes, I mean, sure, your your alpha is to Tesla waters with larger groups of people who are going to give you different feedback than you may not have thought of and whatnot. But the core of what it is that you were supposed to, that you wanted to do should still remain the same. If If you're going to be implementing that kind of huge sweeping changes, that's not good. Granted, again, this is still a 2011 game, is it not? They're still
0: not thinking about this year, right? I haven't heard anything to the contrary, so they might still be looking at a uh, 2010 release.
2: Yeah, if we're talking 2010, I'm sorry, but as much as I like Cryptic Boys, this is going to wind up being a Star Trek Online thing where the game is rushed, and then when you get it, so much of it is not there, or is point blank broken, so... well. So and there's all really the also- amazing
3: chocobo combat, but when you're on foot, it's going to suck, is what you're saying.
2: <laughs> well, talking about all foot- that, or, or you won't <laughs> be able to play as one of the races at all. You'll be able to hang out in the cities and stuff, kind of, you know, wander around, but you won't have much to do other than that.
0: Well, talking about on foot, one of the uh, editor uh, impressions of the game was talking about them wandering around through the game world. And, yes, once you reach a location, you have instant teleport to it, just like, let's say, the flight points in World of Warcraft. But just the sheer amount of time it was taking these people to hoof it from one camp to another. They were saying five to ten minutes to move from one camp to the next. And, well, by Final Fantasy XI standards, that's phenomenal, where it took you 20 minutes to walk anywhere. But that, yeah. that
1: would,
0: imagine having it having to take 10 minutes to run from Goldshire to Westfall. Like it's not yeah. a short run, but if it took you 10 to 15 minutes, you would jump into that river and try to drown your character. Yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. <laughs> I don't know, like the length between uh, minimizing downtime is always one of the key things that anybody in an MMO wants to do. You want to be able to make sure players enjoy your environment, can see the environment, the lush detail that between different points. But you need to make it in such a way that you're not spending the vast majority of your time uh, just doing nothing but traveling. If you're spending 10 minutes to get from one camp to another to do one quest that takes you five minutes and then you have to spend another 10 minutes... Going back to the original camp. That's 20 minutes to do a five-minute quest. That's well, a at level one.
2: I stand
3: <sighs> redeemed. Oh. There you go. <laughs> No, no.
2: no.
3: Okay, look, look, look. We're not going to get into that. I have my own opinions on it. Uh, We'll get into that another time. But the point is, is I understand their their need for it. But this is one thing I will give Ion credit for. Um, Their flight system was kind of cool. It gave you a panoramic view uh, between your different points uh, while still making it a very quick trip. And it did cost a lot at the time you know it's been balanced and whatever but it was pretty cool you got a full scope of the world you got to see everything while you were flying high enough that you could see everything around you and actually appreciate the area uh without having to spend 40 minutes in flight so yeah so i don't know it's it's one of those things where if they adjust the speed i'll be a little more enthusiastic about it if they adjust the group balance composition i'll be a little more excited about it right now i'm just i'm feeling that same pit in my stomach that i felt when final fantasy 11 was active
2: all right let's move on to there from there to some blizzard news uh of course The tickets were on sale and then they were not on sale. And there was not a lot of time in between there. So they sold out both times. And uh, basically, if you didn't get yours, well, you can get them now on eBay because the scalpers were picking them up as fast as they could. Joe, did you even manage to get one?
3: Yes, I did. Uh, Actually, my guild is making a very impressive showing yet again. Um, For the last three years, my guild has managed to get somewhere between 12 and 17 people at this convention every time. This year, we are rolling up with 16 folks, I believe. Um, I was able to get my ticket thanks to the combined efforts of all the people from WoW.com. So big shout out goes out to my editors and everybody else. Thank you, guys. Um, So, yeah, I will be going this year. I have a ticket secured.
2: Nice. Good for you. A lot of other people did not, and there was no way in hell they could get them. The lineups were insane right from the get-go, and then they were sold out in a matter of, uh, it was what, 20 minutes for one day, and then 28 minutes? 24
3: minutes minutes on the first day, 28 minutes on the second day.
2: Yeah. So, it did not take long. So, apparently, it doesn't matter how much they ask, the people will come. It's like Field of Dreams, but with holders here's
3: the thing though they're 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 being a lot more aggressive than they were in the past with uh scalpers every day um they're hitting ebay and blizzard has must have a team devoted nothing to do this but these auctions are disappearing super quick they're finding out what email addresses these tickets were associated to and they are taking them back i would not be too surprised if a third day of sales goes up um or a lottery goes up for people that didn't get tickets that scalpers got instead so i wouldn't be too terribly surprised because blizzard i I mean, to their credit, um, they are doing a ridiculous amount of friggin' product recovery. Uh, StubHub uh, has no tickets on it, which last year and the year before they had a ton of tickets on there, and I'm seeing them sell for like a thousand bucks. Yeah, this year not so much. I think they learned from their past mistakes, so I don't think it's without it's outside of uh, reasonable expectations to see a, a lottery or something else go up later on for people that didn't that weren't able to get tickets.
2: Well, I know I was listening to um, Geekistry and Star Mike was saying uh, that he did not get his and he was some pissed off. And there's a lot of people in the same boat who are actually people who are either associated with through podcasts or blogs or news sites or whatever in the industry that didn't get a ticket, weren't able to get one. It's not for lack of trying and are stuck now. Well,
3: the problem is, unless you qualify for a press pass, um, in which they've upped the, uh, the requirements for it this year, unless you get a, a press pass, you're just kind of SOL. You are in um, the same boat as everybody else who's trying to purchase a ticket. Um, and it is really difficult to get a press pass, let me tell you. Um they're the they, you need to have like everything from official cardstock or official like like your company logo and everything like that. You have to like provide a cop. I'm not even I'm not even get you have to provide a, a copy of your tax ID uh, so they can verify that you are actually a commercially recognized business in order for you or, or new. If you have a, a private news person that's trying to apply for a press pass, you have a anytime you're a freelancer or anything like that, you get a special code um, for your taxes and whatnot. They, it's like an identify identification number. You need to provide that as well. It is hard to get one. It is really, really hard to get one. So I understand people are really upset, but, you know, last year people were abusing the press pass stuff. The year before that people were abusing press pass stuff. Okay, I can kind of get that. But this year, yeah, a lot of people were just thrown in the same boat as everybody else when they weren't before.
2: While I can agree to a certain degree, I am more inclined to think that special – Special privileges should be given to someone who is going out of their way to get other people interested in your game. So if you have recognizable, whether it's podcasts podcast or a news site or, or something like that, if those people are going out of their way to promote your product for free, you know what? Give them a little hat tip and give them a chance to get the tickets before everybody else. So, yeah, but then and I'm not saying that for- because I wanted them, not by any means. I'm just saying point blank. Some of these people that go out of their way with their news sites or whatever that write about this every single day kind of thing and who are get, getting other people to be interested in their game. Yes, I think that they deserve to have a shot before anybody else.
3: Well, I definitely agree with that because I would have liked my shot ahead of time. But still, you know, it's it's you have to draw a line somewhere and it's a really difficult line to draw because look how many blogs and podcasts have popped up just about World of Warcraft in the last year alone. Um, not all of them have a steady readership base. Not all of them have something like that. But when you have, uh, let's say, an explosion of, we'll just say 30% as a conservative number of growth in a year, uh, that's a lot of people that all of a sudden, um, you know, kind of, get that opportunity before everybody else and that it's not fair to the people that just don't have the time to devote to something like that. It's a very difficult balance to strike. Oh, so. it is.
2: I'm, I'm not denying that, but I think that there could be more gray there and not such a hard line. But again, it's a, pff, no skin off my back. Um, and keeping on with the Blizzard news, though, the StarCraft 2 beta is coming to a close and the release will be forthcoming. Joe?
3: July 2nd will mark the end of the open beta for uh, StarCraft 2. And even this close to game release, multiplayer has undergone such sweeping changes that strategies and everything else have been changing uh, pretty much daily. Um, I've been playing the hell out of this. I've been devoting a serious number of hours uh, pretty much every night uh, with a couple of my buddies doing 3v3s, 2v2s, uh, 1v1s, free-for-alls, getting a feel for how the different races are balanced. Now, they're really, really close to being perfectly balanced right now, but they this is after making a huge, huge change to core units and advanced units, and they're still tweaking. They're still making changes. This is very much a living beta. Um, in the last two weeks, there has been three patches, I think. Uh, um, so, they are tweaking the hell out of this, getting this thing ready uh, for release. And personally, I can't fucking wait. Um, it's pretty. It's ridiculously awesome. The micromanagement and macromanagement skills necessary to be competitive and multiplayer is amazing. And I can't wait to see the story. I want to know what the hell happens to Kerrigan, damn it. Uh, so, yes, it's it's coming to a close on July 2nd. All the beta accounts will be frozen. Um, I think they're, they are allowing people, they're talking about allowing people to keep their beta accounts as their, uh, there's certain achievements you earn from the beta that will transfer over to your battle net account, which I think is actually kind of cool too. That's damn so. Cool. So they have a thing like uh, one of the achievements is Beta Crusher. Um, It's you have to play 10 2v2s, 10 1v1s, 10 3v3s, 10 free-for-alls. You don't have to win them. You just have to participate in them, and you get the Beta Crusher achievement. This last two patches, they did not wipe out any achievements. So I think that's kind of cool because when I log into that first game, I'm going to have my next achievement in my upper right-hand corner (laughs) that says Beta Crusher. So, yes, I'm very excited about that, which is very nice of uh, the people at Blizzard to give them a little cookie for the people that did actually get into the beta test to help them out.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a game I'm really looking forward to. Like, I really haven't had the time to play the beta, so I've just been watching tons of videos about it online because yeah, actually I'm considering trying to do maybe some videos of my own about the game when it comes out. But yeah, just looking at this game, like the amount of detail they're putting into it. And you, like you said, all the changes they're putting in this late into development. Um, it's not like, oh, okay, we're lowering the damage on the Thor by four. They're doubling the resource cost of the roaches. Like yep. that's a huge, huge balance change. So we're going to see when they, how long is the beta going down for two weeks? Uh, we will. The beta will end on July second. I thought we they were a... bringing it back, but whatever. I had heard. That, yeah, I had heard they were going to suspend the beta for a few weeks and then bring it back, but maybe they uh, scrapped that plan. Uh, I can so, still log in. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll see exactly how much of their changes uh, come, you know, retail time, and how much further change we're going to see after that, and see just how worthwhile this beta process has been. I think it's going to be pretty worth it. I mean, the
3: forums are always... Uh, it's not typical QQ beta forms. I mean, people are actually giving numbers. They're giving uh, strategies. They're showing what, like, the, the the roach resource cost is probably the best example. Um, Zerg players were able to amass three times the army of any other army in a very short period of time with a very solid unit uh, roaches, which are pretty much like hydro, light hydralisks. Um, and were just able to overrun uh, pretty much just about everything as long as they did it quick enough. Um, so
2: they're paying that much attention to their community yeah these guys are doing it right cool okay we're gonna take a short break and then when we come back we've got a little bit more news to go from Already-
1: Never asked for this. If you want to make enemies, try to change something. The year is 2027.
3: It's a time of great innovation and technological advancement.
1: It's also a time of chaos, and conspiracy.
3: I don't even know whose side I'm on.
2: Breaking news. The riots continue in the streets of Detroit. Protesters rallying outside of Seraph Industries. One of the world's leaders in the controversial science of human
1: augmentation. These people, Adam, they're like ghosts. Always in the shadows. Hiding behind lies, proxy soldiers.
3: I need you to find them. They cannot stop us. They cannot stop the future. I never had a choice of what happened to me. How do you feel, Adam? Adam? The body may heal, but the mind is not always so
1: resilient. Corporations have more power than the government. Everyone's fighting for power, for control.
0: Help! Please!
2: Okay, we are back with for the lower. We're going to dive right into the new patch for Champions Online. Joe, take it away.
3: Champions Online, a game that actually still has a pretty decent subscriber base, and unlike Star Trek Online, is still striving, still going strong with uh, fun new content and uh, well, one hell of a game. I actually still enjoy it, and I still pop in. Um, They're talking about uh, returning of blood moon uh, basically blood moon was their big event with the undead heroes it went over so well they're going to bring it back they're going to update it uh for a year later obviously um, but they are going to bring it back they're also adding a difficulty slider uh you're if you're looking at it from a basically a newcomer It's really, really, really the right time to play this game. It's because you can have a difficulty slider that will help you improve drops, um, basically adjust how hard the missions are for you. So if you find yourself going against an arch villain, can't exactly find a group, you can hit that slider, turn it down just a little bit. Rewards will be a little less than what you would probably get normally uh, in costume pieces, which do drop from bosses and mobs uh, that you can then unlock through that will still have the same frequency that they have without the slider, but you'll be able to complete the mission without being cock-blocked from going on in the storyline um, It's actually really really cool um, Now anybody who's played Star Trek online knows that there's an Alkalade system um, Or he may have heard of it. The Alkalade system is kind of flawed. It's not exactly perfect um, but the cryptic is not doing a one-to-one copy between star trek online and champions online champions online is also instituting a perks system um they're basically perks are things you earn by game time and things like that in the game uh just by playing it. and the accolades would get you things that you could like spend points you could spend on other things or improvements or Costume pieces, ship pieces, things like that. Jamison Perk System is going to do that a little bit differently, and make it a little more streamlined for players, so it's easier and more accessible. Um, they're also going to be expanding uh, smaller regions into full-size explorable zones. Um, and there's also going to be a new adventure Uh, pack that's going to be coming down soon. Basically, they are doing a whole bunch of stuff to keep this game fresh and exciting and injecting more content, uh, which they're doing with what they call the Serpent Lantern, which is going to be the next big release. I'm kind of excited about it. I still play it. I love my superhero game. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it's nice to see that they're not... Um, being stymied by the lack of success of Star Trek Online. Uh, They're taking some of the ideas, refining them, and sticking them into Champions Online, which is still going strong.
2: And how much do you think this is based on the fact that, again, we're seeing a lot more with DC Universe right now, uh, especially with the date being released. So how much of this is a push to put as much as they can, as cool as they possibly can, just to compete with it, get the people right before DC Universe comes out?
3: let's face it there is a there is a cold war on multiple fronts for multiple different game companies mmos are one of them Um, there are different niches that are battling for supremacy you have your story driven mmos you have your combat based mmos your action rpgs um, and now you have your superhero mmos that are battling for their niche Uh, at the dawn of time there was one there was champions online and now there is, uh, I'm sorry, um, City, City of Heroes, Heroes, excuse me. And now we have Champions Online, which is filling that void, um, that that gap that's been left behind. Um, but they're now going to be in direct competition with DC Universe. And DC Universe is a heavy hitter. This is essentially galactus versus earth here um dc universe is poised to topple champions online and completely crush this ip just based on the money they're able to put behind it the story that they're putting into it the development team they have the writing team they have and everything else and, and i think oh god the ip is strong yeah. as strong as all get out um they have so many different characters that he uh uh put in there and yes sam i did use a marvel uh, metaphor <laughs> to describe this game. Uh, there was a reason for that <laughs> um But yes, I think it is in direct, direct response to all this information being released. And I think as DC Universe comes closer to release, we're going to see even more being injected into the Champion's online IP. I wouldn't be surprised if they are just tossing uh, a ton, a ton of man hours behind nothing more than keeping this thing uh, new, fresh and exciting for when uh, DC Universe drops. And I'm OK with that because that means I'm going to have two awesome games to, to pick from when uh, DC Universe comes out.
2: OK, let's go to the comic nerd himself.
0: So, Vince, then, have you – first of all, do you play Champions Online? Uh, not currently, but over the last couple of weeks, I've been considering uh, buying the game, subscribing. Like I played during the free weekends and it was a blast. And I just never got back to it because I had other games I was playing at the time. But I, don't know, I have an opening in my uh, – gaming schedule, if you will. And I've actually been considering picking up Champions Online because it uh, it was a whole bunch of fun and it does look like, you know, a game I would like to spend at least some more time in. But uh, as it comes, I briefly mentioned this previously, but I have no interest in DC Online and everybody yells at me for it because in Champions, I can design my own hero. I can exist in this great world. In DC Online... You're not playing as the characters. And it's kind of an issue I have with setting an MMO in an established universe.
2: So now, you would with, rather be able to play the
0: actual characters than be able to yeah. make up your own? Right. I, no. Yeah. In an MMO, yeah. I would, rather, I would rather be able to play as Superman than with Superman. I'd rather be the Green Lantern instead of a Green Lantern. But you've so, got to appreciate that
2: that's they just can't do that logistically impossible for no, an MMO that, where everybody would I, want to do the same. I so absolutely agree. The Champions Online universe then is the same as the DC universe, only that the Champions Online doesn't have those iconic figures in it.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's for me, it's a personal preference huh. while the DC game may be fun and it may be cool to run around, you know, nobody wants to be speedy. <laughs> nobody do, wants do, to be Robin and do, Champions Online. Yeah. Go ahead. Joe. Quick, quick question. Do you still play WoW? Not currently. Okay. Just checking. <laughs> I was going to make fun of you. <laughs> there's, there's plenty other opportunities. Just <laughs> said, give okay, it five they, minutes. They said, <laughs> there, there have been games in established universes before, like World of Warcraft, like Star Trek. But there aren't s- such a large quantity of established figures in those universes. Like, okay, in World of Warcraft, you have Thrall, you know, you have this and that. But there's a lot of room in there for a generic adventurer, if you will. But DC has been around for so freaking long, you know, 70 some years, whatever, that these iconic characters, they're iconic for a reason, not just because they're cool, because they've been around forever. And no matter how cool you make your character, at least to me, again, this is all personal preference, no matter how cool you make your character, no matter how many special moves he has, how many gadgets he has, he's never going to quite match up to... The level that's been set by all these other characters, and I would much rather create my own character and have him be a hero in my own world that if, for champions than to have him be a really good hero but still fighting alongside all these quote-unquote better heroes over in DC Online.
3: See, but I would counter that with it's a classic hero story. Look at how many characters that have become iconic uh, in both universes. Let's use Firestorm as an example. Started out as a kid that just kind of idolized the Justice League, uh, got his powers, and all of a sudden now he's a member. You know, it's things like that. It's establishing your foothold in a world, yes, it's already created with all these icons, but to stand among your icons, to to stand among the paragons that you worship, you know, it's a different type to me. I mean, that's that's how I see it. Because you look at these comics, look at, um, we'll go to Marvel, look at Night hawk when night hawk first started uh he was a pretty crappy character he was a kid a teenager that wound up looking up to some of the heroes like spider-man you know it's it's just he and then he established himself as his own superhero under their tutelage and now he's an equal he's an equal among them it's the same thing it's the same opportunity it's why there's thousands of members of the jle and their foster pro- or the jle and their foster program you know so i don't know i, I can see your i can see your point but to me I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it to a certain point because yes, I'm still under these people, but I'm carving my own name to stand among them. Actually, oh, yeah, and I'm going to totally- give my
2: two cents there. I actually, hold on a okay. second here. I'm not even the comic book nerd, but I'm going to give my two cents. But it's going to be referring back to something that you said I'm actually on your site right now. Oh no. Um, oh. Because I was checking it out because of the feature that you're doing right now on the, the 100 comic books to read before you die thing. So I was checking out what you were writing and... You And I'm on it right now, folks in the audience, if you want to check it out. You're looking at the, the Wolverine miniseries that was put out. And what you wrote was that here was a character that they were actually going to kill off. But he wound up being so strong character-wise that they kept him around. And he is now one of the most popular characters for Marvel. You, I, I would arguably say he is the most iconic character for marvel now certainly the most popular right now and here's a character that they wanted to kill off that was going to be a nobody so the idea that within the dc universe you could become that character that is just found his powers whatever got bit by a spider grasshopper whatever and suddenly becomes the hero that isn't trying to be better than batman not trying to beat him but can be at the same level and did they not say a while back that some of the iconic characters that people create and play may eventually make it into the comic books as well yes
3: they have it they have a fostering program that dc is putting forth and i i don't know if anybody's really been keeping up with that uh, when they announce the game players as they earn alkylades as they put time into the game and as they complete missions and uh and like the mission chains and things like that task forces will be able to earn the right to appear in comics specifically designated for the DC universe online among their characters there among the, uh, the icons among like Batman and Superman who will fight alongside of them and be mentored. Um, and we saw this originally with City of Heroes where. Um, players would wind up in the comic books. My character was in one, by the way. Um, we found, you know, all these players that were being rewarded for their time in game being pushed into these comic books. And it was for any comic book nerd. I mean, how awesome is that to see your character in print?
2: You now, know. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I don't know what they're going to do with DC Universe. I don't know whether or not you're always going to be the, like I said in the chat room here, the sidekick in the audience or, or in the in the group. Or if at some point when you rise up enough in, in level abilities, uh, whether it's achievements or whatever, that you actually become more than just the new guy and become an established force. If that is the case and they actually allow that, then... I can honestly say, and I'm not a comic book nerd, and I'm certainly not a huge fanatic about um, hero games, not that I have anything against them, but it's not my, my favorite genre, but if that's the case and they allow you to do that progression where you can be the new hero a la Wolverine that eventually becomes the most popular and can ride with the big boys, I think that... You can't even begin to compare that. It, it's a personal opinion, like you were saying. But in my opinion, you can't begin to compare that to something like Champions Online.
0: We see that said, it all comes down to personal opinion. Like I'm not going to deny that, you know, it's a great story, being you know the young upstart that d- does rise to become you know among the paragons, as you said. Just for me, if I was sitting down, had to choose between these two games, I would choose Champions just as a personal preference of the type of game I would want to play as far as my character development.
2: Oh, that's cool. Hey, Pig, you just made Bill really happy. If he's listening, he's like, <laughs> awesome, we did it, dude.
0: <laughs> because like, just, just just, to put this out there, like I've discussed this game with several of my friends, like, oh, it's going to be so great. And then, until I tell them, no, you you can't be Barry Allen. You know, it's a massively multiplayer online game. You can't have 50 people being The Flash. So like, oh, then who am I? Like, oh, you're some new guy. I uh, I don't want to be the new guy. <laughs> so, I said, it's it it's honestly for me, it's two different audiences as far as the the actual characters you're going to be playing.
3: I will agree with that. It's definitely two different audiences.
2: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then that, no, that's Which, fine. And and that's good. The fact that you, uh, the the comic nerd that you are, would still prefer to carve your own legacy for lack of a better term, in Champions Online just means that that IP is strong enough to hold uh, a still a fairly large chunk of the audience. So that's fantastic. Which will tie into one of our conversations later about another game we'll be talking
3: about in just a few moments.
2: Well, so. go ahead
3: um i'm going to skip the one and we'll come back to that in a second but war for cybertron speaking of uh comic nerds and and everything else here is going to be coming out soon Uh, i'm sure vince is foaming at the mouth as i am uh, especially looking at the most recent set of trailers um the game will be able to put you in the, the role of either autobots or decepticons as you play through the war that ignited an entire story arc uh that that put an entire universe on fire essentially. Um, And it's just, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands on this and play through and listening to the voice actors, listening to, you know, uh, Peter Cullen, I think is the, yeah, that's, that's right. Optimus freaking (laughs) Prime. listening, listening to Peter Cullen do, do his, his standard voice work for Optimus prime and sit there and tell Megatron that we will fight until the bitter end and we will win. And with such, emotion in such uh, just badassness I mean it's just ridiculous he ridiculously- does it so well he does he absolutely <laughs> does um, and uh, why can I never remember his name the guy that played Elron. the guy that did the voice in the movies for Megatron um, um, Hugo Weaving Hugo Weaving uh, will be making a return to do the voice for Megatron. And just the interaction between those two is on par with the original from the 80s. And it's just it, it, it's it got my inner nerd. It's got my inner fanboy up and ready to, to like run to the store and knock somebody over, steal the last copy out of some old woman's hands if I have to and run home with it and cuddle it. I don't know, but I'm really excited for this game. And it stays pretty close to the story this is what I'm reading for people that have gotten their hands on it early it stays pretty close to to the original story set forth by the creators once they established the universe and decided what had happened
0: yeah they had a video I saw on Xbox Live this weekend and you know we've been kind of wondering like is it how it exactly fits into the story we know and they flat out said this story is going to be official Generation 1 Transformers canon story So this is it like, okay, there might be some retcons here and there, but this is the definitive story, which is amazing. So between this, what we heard last week about Thundercats coming back, we are one Voltron (laughs) remake away from me just sitting on my floor on a Saturday eating cereal just because I'm regressed to a better time. Oh, yeah. You got to make sure that you're sitting right by the heat vent
2: on those cold winter days cold winter there days the, in yeah. miami oh that's right you wouldn't know that see <laughs> us see i and i used to be like northern ontario not where we are now and saturday mornings cartoons was you went into the living room you turned the tv on really really low so you didn't wake folks up and then there was two heating vents in the living room and so me and my sister would share one the younger sister didn't count Just screw you, you're not getting a vent you're too young but my my older sister and i would share a heat vent and the better of the two was the one that wasn't so damn close to the tv so you could see it way (laughs) too much information there but it's (laughs) moving right along (laughs) so uh well it was that and we used to play alleys in the burn holes the cigarette burn holes in the carpet so that was our fun uh moving right along to some uh eve online news actually Joel, i'll let you take that one
3: a uh, new patch for EVE Online just dropped, with which now allows planetary interaction, establishing footholds on planets, um, which is actually really important because this will tie in later to when Dust 514 is released, uh, which we expect to have at this next up-and-coming CCP Games uh, gamer convention to have a release date for uh, Dust 514. Um, right now, uh, the eighth alliance tournament is going on. Uh, this is teams of 64 alliances facing each other in a knockout single elimination style competition. Uh, these are teams of combat monkeys that do space combat uh, r- just in ridiculous amounts to try to win their prize at the end. Um, f- matches are are shown live through ccp's uh live stream video and you can watch uh all these fights go on for the next few weekends uh so the first place winners will go home with 50 limited edition adrestia galente heavy assault cruisers um these are big badass ships oh yeah (laughs) it's awesome i mean I will never be able to participate in this because I'm not a combat monkey. I am a miner. I build things. However, I know people that are participating in this tournament and are loving it. And it's actually really cool to see that they, they broadcast it live. Um, They're showing it to all the people in the community. And now with the launch of their new website, EveGate, um, allowing you full access to your game character, mail, contacts and everything else outside of the game. um, It just adds another level of, of immersion into this world. So I'm really happy with this game. I'm really happy that I've gotten back into Eve Online and I am probably going to be joining a pirate corporation in the next few days. So, yeah, good times.
2: Okay, let me ask you this now and see i i don't know if you remember you i'm sure you do during the um the two weeks or three weeks of sales that steam had at christmas time eve was on sale for 5 bucks and i mm. remember asking you at the time saying is it worth it it's 5 bucks really and i was considering buying it and we were saying now nah, you know what with star trek online coming out it's not worth it at this point well we saw how that went um but at this point considering everything that's on the horizon right now that's coming out is it worth actually getting into Eve if you are if you weren't playing it before?
3: Yes. Uh, And the reason that I say that now as opposed to then is in that time they have lowered the learning curve to an appropriate level. Beforehand if you didn't have friends to walk you through the beginning parts of this game to understand what combat was how to trade, how to mine, how to set up your ship, how to do skills, uh, how to install implants, you were pretty much lost. You had nothing you could do uh, for a good long while. You were pretty much just there for the pickings. Uh, Now they've adjusted the game and the first experience for a new player to the point where after you're done with your tutorial you know everything you need to do to immerse yourself into this game and have fun Um, even without uh, having ground access yet um, your character can actually do a lot of things and interact with a lot of different people in various various ways and uh, the the computer voice that dictates everything to you that walks you through the tutorials is awesome I mean, it's just they really did do a great job of making this game a lot more accessible than when it was less than a year ago.
2: Okay. Because it is actually something that I am still considering. I would like that epic... Space Odyssey kind of story. I had that with um, Mass Effect and absolutely loved it, but I would like something that is uh, an MMO wherein it does matter. You do have to be careful, worry about who's around the corner and things like that as well, within reason, of course
3: oh yeah and i mean the cool thing about this game is it is visually stunning um the 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 depth of the universe is ridiculous um you can do anything be anything it is a complete sandbox mmo in that regard um and the game on any high-powered system is gorgeous and they do have mac clients as well as a pc client now so you can play it on your 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 brand new pc or your brand new pc that you got or your brand new mac that you got and have it look absolutely stunning it's worth the time and the money it really is and the cool thing about it too is because it's all one server You don't have to worry about rolling an alt on a friend server to play with them You just send them a message. Hey, what's going on? And you can group with them Um, you can control your interactions between different factions. You can choose what missions to run Um, my character is more of a neutral trader My job is nothing more than humping rocks getting minerals and selling them to all the people that I possibly can and making a small fortune Uh, and my other friend who's a combat monkey If he goes into the current space that i'm in will be shot on sight and we're in the same corporation So it's kind of fun. Um, it's it's evolved quite a bit
2: cool okay it is actually again something that i have been considering and they've they've been really doing a good job i don't know if it was planned so that they knew they had their 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 project management thing wherein they knew when every single thing was going to be doing, uh, coming out and all the advancements and whatnot, or if it's just, again, they're seeing that Star Trek Online is not doing nearly as well as they would have hoped, Uh, and by they I mean, of course, cryptic, and so they're pouncing on this now to put as much cool shit in as they can so that they can get the people who were initially interested in Star Trek Online to make that transition over to Eve instead.
3: Well, I will say one thing. I will never doubt the Swedes at CCP ever again um, because they just keep improving this game. And yes, it's been out for a long time, but they just keep putting more and more into it. So I don't know. I I, I really enjoy it. And I think it's worth trying it. If you get a free weekend uh, or you get the free two-week trial that's available now, install it. You go right to their website at the uh, the eveonline.com. There's a 14-day trial. Install it. Give it a shot. See how you like it.
2: Okay, moving on from there, and let's talk about another game that has legs. Let's talk about Left for Dead. Not Left 4 Dead 2, Left 4 Dead. We got a new uh, mod that came out for campaign. Left 4 Dead. Sorry, campaign. Um, that is a full five levels, is it not? Yeah, five chapters. Yes. And it looks awesome. It's called I Hate Mountains, and it is by the boys who did the Preclude to uh, Portal. Yes, The video looks phenomenal. I actually haven't downloaded it yet, but I definitely will be downloading it to play it. Um, I'll put the link up for anybody who wants to download it and give it a shot. It looks fantastic. And I'm really happy to see more being done with the original crew as well, because honestly, we did not get enough time with them before Left 4 Dead 2 came out. And that basically took over everything. So it's nice to see them spending time. Although in this case it's because it took so damn long for them to get the project done. (laughs) That's why, but it's nice to see that original group getting some loving. It's awesome. And it's creepy as shit. Oh Um, yeah. There's no daytime scenes. It is all all nighttime and you're using your flashlight lots. Oh, yeah. And I
3: mean, it's nice to see that uh, the original games still get in love and it's a great campaign worth the download, worth the time to run. And I was very happy to see it when it was released because, yeah, that's just extra things for me to do that involve zombies and shooting them. And I like that. (laughs) I would like that a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, It's great to see someone like me who has a great idea and absolutely no concept of how long it's going to take to execute that idea. But in the end, they've turned out such a ludicrously amazing product i mean like i was like like, okay you know they did a great job designing the environment they showed that scene with the helicopter i was like this there's no way there is no way this is fan made when i actually when i was watching it and you see the car flying
2: at you because the tank shot it you see the car and i was like holy shit! did you see that i'm alone in the room and it's like i'm speaking out loud saying whoa crap (laughs) so yeah like i cannot wait to give this a shot because i'm still playing i'm still playing one and two So to be able to do something new in one, oh, man, I can't wait. And the dialogue that they put in for this as well sounds great. It really sounds good.
0: Oh, yeah. No surprise. No surprise. Francis hates Canada.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I had to laugh at that, of course. (laughs) All right. With that, we're going to wrap it up for tonight, folks. Thank you for joining us. We are going to have a feature at the end of the podcast. Make sure to download it on Wednesday, probably maybe tomorrow afternoon or evening. We're gonna have a feature from uh, Vince, which is going to be a review of *Alan Wake*, which is gonna contain spoilers and everything. So, if you don't want to hear those, you'll want to skip through. But it should be very interesting. And as well, we're gonna have another handheld minute from my man Kirby. So with that, I'll let you go. Make sure to join us again next week on Monday at 6:45 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm.
0: As we discussed a couple weeks ago, I've recently been playing Alan Wake. Now that I've finished the game, I'm here with a review. Be warned, this review does contain spoilers. Not just spoilers, huge spoilers, ludicrous spoilers. So if you're trying to avoid those for this fantastic story-driven game, you may want to pass on this one for a bit. Alan Wake is a new game for the Xbox 360. Developed by Remedy Studios, the makers of the Max Payne games, and published by Microsoft Game Studios, so it is currently exclusive to the Xbox 360, though there is still a possibility of a PC version down the road. Alan Wake puts you in the role of, well, Alan Wake, a famous author who has gone on a retreat to a small town in the northwest to collect his thoughts and try to break through some writer's block he's been suffering from. He finds himself in Bright Falls, a place straight out of Twin Peaks. Everything may seem nice and normal on the surface, but if you really pay attention, things aren't quite right. Pretty early on in the story, Alan finds himself alone in the forest, with only his trusty flashlight serving as his guide. He is soon beset by the Taken, seemingly normal villagers that are possessed by some strange dark presence. Luckily, Alan's flashlight allows him to disperse the dark presence surrounding them, and Alan can then take them out with traditional firearms. The arsenal in this game isn't quite that fast. You have a revolver, you have a shotgun, you have a rifle. You have flares, which are very handy for keeping enemies away, and flashbang grenades, which are capable of destroying large packs of the creatures in a single blast. This is the only game where you'll ever be happy to get an upgrade to your flashlight. Anything you have that can keep the bad guys away a little longer is a very welcome addition. That being said, combat really isn't the point of the game. It's a little simplistic, but that simplicity also lends itself to the gameplay. When you're being chased by six or eight taken, throwing axes at you, wielding chainsaws, if all you have to fend them off with is a flashlight and a revolver, it does increase the tension and the mood of the game. And what a mood the game creates. It's almost as if the art designer only had two colors to work with, dark and darker. No matter where you go at night in this game, you are almost engulfed in the darkness. Alan's flashlight is the only bit of light you're going to have in many portions of the game. So when you see that street lamp flickering in the distance, it does have a great impact and fill you with hope. Of course, the game likes to mess with you. Sometimes that street lamp will go out. Sometimes you'll have to restart the generator while enemies are attacking you. This game just keeps you off balance. It never lets you get comfortable, and it never makes you feel like you're really in control of where it's going at any time. All in all, the graphics and art style really do have an impact on the way the game makes you feel. If I had one complaint about the graphics, it would be that the characters seem a little animatronic. When you come across someone you can interact with, they're just sort of sitting there. When you walk up to talk to them, it's like the Hall of Presidents in Disney World, where they come to life in their jerky mechanical motions, talk to you, and then shut back down to their idle pose. It does seem a bit odd. Thankfully, the voice acting is pretty good overall, giving the characters some depth that they may be missing graphically, and those characters really do go a long way to fleshing out the world of the game. While there are some misses, like the sheriff or the FBI agent Nightingale, they also hit some home runs, such as the Anderson brothers, two old men who had a heavy metal band back in the 70s called the Old Gods of Asgard, and whose singular goal in life seemed to be to make everybody's lives as miserable as possible. And then, of course, you have Barry Wheeler, Alan's agent, the loud, smart-talking guy from New York who suddenly finds himself in the middle of nowhere, thrust into some really bizarre circumstances. He is one of the best comedy relief characters in any game. Barry's idea for fending off the Taken when he knows they're weak to light, wrapping himself in Christmas lights. He's the type of character that really offsets the dark mood of the game and creates a nice balance of the flow of the game between enjoyable, lighthearted segments and the darker, more thriller-type parts. The way the story plays out is what really separates Alan Wake from any other game I've played. Alan Wake is told as if it were a television show. Each chapter of the game is broken up into an episode, which may seem a little weak on the surface until you actually play it. When I got to the end of the first episode and it threw a plot twist at me, the music reaching a crescendo and the screen blacking out, suddenly displaying the Alan Wake logo, I was hooked. It was almost as if it was an episode of Lost. And then of course, just to complete the illusion, music starts playing as if it were a credit sequence. When you move on to the next episode, it even gives you the previously on Alan Wake feature, which is just a truly unique way of displaying the story in this game. And what a story it is. As I mentioned before, Alan comes to Bright Falls with his wife Alice to just try and get away from everything in the city, clear his mind, and try to finally write a new book that he's been working on for two years. They take up residence in a small lakeside cabin, and things degenerate from there. Alice goes missing, and it looks like she may have fallen into the lake. Alan jumps in after her, and next thing he knows, he wakes up in his car, crashed into a ditch an entire week has gone by that he can't remember. As he makes his way to a local gas station, he starts finding manuscript pages for a book that he wrote, for a book that he doesn't remember writing, for a book that he doesn't remember writing where he is the main character. It truly is bizarre. Some people don't like the manuscript pages, saying it gives away parts of the story before they happen, But that's not true. They don't give away everything. They're more of teasers. When a manuscript page tells you that some dude with a chainsaw is gonna bust out of a doorway, you start looking at every doorway you walk past a little differently, wondering if that's gonna be the one. Additionally, since the story is told from Alan's perspective, the manuscript pages will sometimes give you insight into what's going on with one of the other characters, further fleshing out the story of the game. Things get even weirder when he finally gets back to town, And tells the sheriff that he'd been staying in the cabin at Cauldron Lake, the sheriff responds with, there is no cabin at Cauldron Lake. Apparently Cauldron Lake is an active volcano that erupted years ago, destroying the island that was in the middle. When she drives Alan back to the lake, he sees that there really is no cabin. This is that twist ending of the first episode that I mentioned earlier. So, Alan starts investigating. Obviously, nobody believes that he was staying at Cauldron Lake, so he has to go about it rather carefully, If he starts to appear too crazy, he may end up in Dr. Hartman's clinic in the town. He starts to get phone calls from Alice, and Alice's possible kidnapper, telling him to deliver the story, or his wife will die. This is the driving point for the first couple episodes of the story, with Alan desperately trying to collect as many of these mysterious manuscript pages as he can, and rescue his wife before something bad can happen. As it turns out, the kidnapper doesn't have Alan's wife, but he does know that she is missing. The kidnapper is working for the aforementioned Dr. Hartman, who runs a clinic specializing in the treatment of burned-out artists. While the clinic is home to people who truly need help, like the Anderson brothers, who are so burnt out from their partying in the 70s they can barely see straight, Dr. Hartman's intentions aren't entirely pure. He's trying to profit off anything that his patients create while they're at the clinic. He is the one trying to get a hold of Alan's manuscript. He feeds Alan a story that Alice died, and everything that's happened since then is just a fabrication in his mind. Alan plays along with the story, almost starting to believe it, until the Dark Presence shows up again. The Dark Presence wants Alan. But what is the Dark Presence? The Anderson brothers have a clue. They've been living near Cauldron Lake their entire lives, and the strange events in Bright Falls have been an inspiration for many of their songs. They send Alan on a quest to find one of their records that can help him out. This leads to one of the coolest scenes in the entire game. Alan shows up at the Anderson Brothers farm to find a gigantic stage with fire-breathing dragons and pyrotechnics. He climbs up onto the stage with Barry taking the controls and has to fight off an entire horde of Taken, with fireworks going off, the dragons breathing their fire, and heavy metal music from the old gods of Asgard playing the entire time. It truly is the climax of the game. After the insanity at the farm, the story finally starts to come into focus. Years ago, before Cauldron Lake erupted, a poet by the name of Thomas Zane lived there, along with his girlfriend Barbara Jagger. Apparently, Barbara drowned in the lake in an incident very similar to Alice's. With Zane troubled by the death of his girlfriend, the Dark Presence, which lives in the depths of Cauldron Lake, takes on the form of Barbara Jagger to corrupt Thomas Zane. You see, the reason why so many artists and writers and musicians end up in Bright Falls is that the Dark Presence feeds off their creativity, growing more powerful with everything they create. Now, with Zane in its clutches, it can finally be free. The Presence in the form of Jagger tells Zane that he can bring her back. All he has to do is write a story. Zane begins writing a story, bringing Jagger back to life, only to realize that he's actually bringing the Dark Presence back, not his lost girlfriend. In a final act of defiance, Zane dives down into the lake, hoping to destroy the Dark Presence there, leading to what many assumed was the volcanic eruption. This is where Alan enters the story. The Dark Presence is the one that took Alice. In a recreation of the events with Thomas Zane, the Dark Presence wants Alan to write a story bringing Alice back to life, and the Dark Presence along with her. Much like Zane, Alan starts to realize the truth of what's happening, and writes loopholes into his story. He makes himself the main character fighting against the Dark Presence, allowing him to try and find a way to actually defeat it. He even writes Thomas Zane himself into the story, as the mysterious light guiding Alan and leaving the manuscript pages behind for him to find. Through the music of the Old Gods of Asgard, Alan finds the clue he's been looking for, the Lady of the Light. The crazy lady going around town with lanterns, making sure all the light bulbs were always working, was actually an old friend of Thomas Zane and Barbara Jagger. Zane left one last bit of information with her that would be the key to finally defeating the Dark Presence. She gives Alan Zane's last treasure, a small light switch which Alan actually remembers from his childhood and one last manuscript page. This page was written by Zane himself and details a memory from Alan's childhood. He was deathly afraid of the Dark as a child, so his mother gave him the light switch as a way to fend off the darkness. You see, while Alan wrote Zane into his story, Zane also wrote Alan into his, creating this child that would in the future actually possess the ability to defeat the Dark Presence. Knowing what he must do, Alan ventures back to Cauldron Lake to confront the Dark Presence. Things get pretty strange from here on out. He dives into the lake, sacrificing himself to defeat the Dark Presence, and bring Alice back. Or does he? We don't know if he's dead or not. Maybe he did die, and the clone of himself that he wrote into the story comes back. Maybe he'll be fine, and the clone is the one that actually died after being the alum that we've actually played through as the entire game. Honestly, when the best parallel you can come up with for this ending is the movie Donnie Darko, you know it's confusing, and you might never figure it out. Thankfully, with the game's TV show structure, it's tailor-made for episodic content, with plenty coming down the line. Hopefully, those future episodes will flesh out the ending and allow it to make some sense, because as someone who is deeply involved in this story, trying to figure out what that last line meant has kept me up at night. In the end, Alan Wake is a truly unique game that I would recommend for anyone to play. Some people may be a little disappointed at the ending of the story, but it's all about the journey to get there. The game puts you in a story, sets a mood, and takes off running, bringing the player along for a wild ride.
1: This is Kirby with a handheld minute with a review for Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Survivor. Devil Survivor is a story about three teens living in Tokyo when a main part of the city is sealed off by the Japanese ground self-defense forces. The populace is given the news from the government that the tunnels and highways leading out is filled with a poisonous gas. Yourself, Yuzu, and Astro are left to fend for yourselves in this locked down part of Tokyo. Quickly you find out that the city is being invaded by demons and you are given comps to allow you to contract and fight against the demon attackers. The story evolves as you find more information about the truth of what's going on. Like my review of the other Shin Megami Tensei game, the choices you make affect the characters in game. And this is where it got frustrating for me. The game has a tendency to crash a few times, and when I tried to get myself caught up, I found that I did not make the exact correct choices, and the one person I wanted to save died. It is a, a tactical RPG game, much like Final Fantasy Tactics. You are able to purchase and fuse demons together to get new, more powerful demons. The game has a mail system that easily allows you to know. What your main focus points are for the day which really helps out if you saved in the middle and you need to start up all over again. The game was released back in uh, June of last year. It's still a great game especially at a $20 price point. This has been Kirby with the Handheld Minute. Good day.
3: in an age of empires with Starcraft turns to Warcraft
1: Turn true seekers to lies Let me just command to conquer On this mission impossible I turn Bastards <laughs>
3: Didn't realize y'all missed me so much Come. me
2: Contain the enthusiasm Please
0: Lest it rub off on the rest of us Alright, I went and banged my head Against the wall a couple times
2: Alright so, you boys ready? Let's do it.
0: Vince? Yeah, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you, uh, okay, I'd like you to hang up, and I'm then I'm, I'm just going to bring you back in. All right. You promise? I was just going to say, I,
1: I'll I'll think about it. <laughs>
2: That was too easy. It's a tarp. It was a tarp. And he fell for it. The dumb bastard. Uh, That's all right. We can't keep keep losing co hosts. (laughs) I've got to bring him back.
3: (laughs) Hey, we can always bring in Kirby as a replacement.
2: That'll work. Uh, One of these days, maybe. All right. yeah, I told you I would. Oh, ye of little faith.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to check the outtakes to see what you fucking
1: are saying. <laughs> <about>.
2: <laughs> Maybe they just won't be in the outtakes.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what the fuck my problem was tonight. Jesus.
1: Not a street fighter, but I dug clothes like I was vlogger. Any so-called game is like full position against a jogger. I knew it to the death. of 2 I'm out of breath or until My eyes sister hurt. My hands and fingers start to kill. I will.